I wanted to check out quickly how many of you recognize some of the, these are places in uh, Alberta, okay? I mean, if I were to ask you here, you'd know them all for sure, but uh, so you recognize this place? Okay, Lake Louise, let's see here. Yes, Lake, Lake Louise, who can tell me this one? Oh, man. Minnewanka. I like that one just for the name. Have any of you ever been there? Okay, here we go. You got this one. Come on. Drum Drumhaller, yeah. And this one? Oh, come on. <laughs> West Edmonton. Well, I, didn't even put, I didn't even put a name there. Tonight I want to talk to you about, uh, you know, we all like to travel and go places and do things. I want to tell you about a place, though, that you should never go. Oh, my. Well, that's a, you know, that's kind of a weird deal. And now you want to go there just because I said you should probably never go there. (laughs) We're going to look at a text uh, today. We're going to look at a text tonight that um, is is one of the most familiar texts in the whole Bible. I mean, there's always a danger with uh, preaching familiar stories, right? There's the hardest stories to preach are the ones that are the most familiar. This one may be the most familiar of all. Now, just as we're getting going here, you need me to set my watch. You've seen me set my watch before. It really didn't do a lot of good, but I am setting my watch. <laughs> no, I'll try to be good because there's cake back there and everybody knows it. Let's have some cake. Uh, we're going to talk about a land that you should never go, and it's out of uh, this story in the Bible, which you're going to recognize really quickly. Let's stand and read the story together. Can we do that? Stand and read the word of God together. Jesus continued. Are you here? Are you with me? I'm not going to read it to you. We're going to read it together. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one who said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to be filled with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Amen. You can, you can be seated. Pastor John, I've, I've been uh, wrestling now, for whatever reason, that's not going to work. That's fine. I've been wrestling with this uh, passage for some time now. And uh, this week, I've wrestled more. 
And sometimes you wrestle with, with a passage, and Pastor John would understand, and some of the others of you who have taught the Bible, you're wrestling because there's a truth here that you really want very badly to help people see. I want to look at this, this uh, story perhaps in a different way than you've ever heard it presented. I'm looking to un- unveil or reveal a truth to you about the story that, that is different than the normal, okay? Normally, we focus on the sun. We, we focus on the sun, but my desire is to help you to see something about the Father tonight that maybe you've never seen before. And something about the Father and something about the church as well. We're gonna t- I'm going to try to dissect this, if, 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 if I could use that word, in five segments. The first is we're going to talk about the setting. The second is the, cir- the circumstances or the situation. The third is the separation. The, the fourth is the suffering. And the fifth is the solution. So five, five different uh, segments to work through. Um, Okay, when you and I think of this story, when we think of this story, what, what's the name we give to this story? You, you all know that, the prodigal son, okay? And so the emphasis, even in what we understand about it, is on the son, it's not on the father. But when we're talking about a prodigal, when you and I think about a prodigal, when, when you say, I've got a prodigal, or we've got a prodigal, what are you actually saying? I'm inviting some feedback tonight. You, you've got somebody who is a, a child in the world, someone who has actually gone away, right? But here's what I'd like, to, I'd like to suggest to you is that you have somebody who is found who gets lost. This child has been raised in a godly, God-honoring, God-fearing family. This isn't, this isn't a lost person who simply out there and does not know God. This is someone who actually has been raised in an environment and in a household where God was honored, God was feared, God was blessed. Okay? So this is a child who has known and now has wandered or is lost. Okay? It's a very different thing than just thinking about lost people in general. And I would suggest that to you by virtue of the fact that if you know Luke 15, you know that there was actually a lost coin. And the person goes hunting for the coin. There was a lost sheep. And the shepherd actually leaves everybody else, all the other sheep, to go and search for one lost sheep. But then you have this lost son... And that doesn't happen. And there's a reason why it doesn't happen, and it's a very important reason. Okay? So the reality is, is that when we think of prodigals, we think about the, the son, but this son is found. Now, when, when we're in our families, okay, and some of you are raising children right now, some of you are grandparents, some of you are children yourselves, 
It applies to every one of us. The fact of the matter is that in our households, there there needs to be both love and nurture and discipline. You you have to have, if, if, if you don't have discipline and you don't have strong discipline today, you're in trouble. But if that discipline is overbearing and there isn't nurture and there isn't a lot of love, then you're going to actually end up sending them away. So you have to have these two things that you're working at in balance, okay? But even if you do everything right, this is the hard thing. There's not a guarantee that it's going to turn out right. There's not a guarantee that your children aren't going to wander away. There isn't a guarantee. And that's hard. Okay, that's hard to to deal with. The setting is very simple. There's a father in the story. There's an older brother and there's a younger brother. Now, obviously, the biggest question right now is where's the mom? Right? Like, where's the mom? Like, if there was the mom was here, we might not even have the problem. Right? (laughs) Where is the mom? I don't know. Okay. We're not going to even project about that. The story doesn't include the mom for whatever reason, okay? We're just going to stick with the setting. We have the situation that comes, the setting is the, the, the younger son says, Father, give me my share of the estate. There's no further description in the text about what happens. There's no, there's no discussion. There's nothing for us to work with here. He asked for the estate, and the fact of the matter is, is that the father divided the property. The son is saying, hey, I I want you to sell your stocks and bonds, your RSPs. I want you to cash in your crypto. I I want my money now. Now, imagine even in today's world, if if, uh, one uh, one of the young adults here were to actually say that to their parents, you know, I'd like to have, I'd like to have my cash up front. That wouldn't even be acceptable today, right? We, that, that would be like, are you kidding me? Like, what's, what's wrong with you? I see Pastor John's already telling her, oh, you already asked just now? <laughs> I saw a big no coming. I was wondering. What... <laughs> okay, she's, she's cashing in quick on that idea. Okay, can I get that right now, Dad? This is the deal. In, in, in this day, in this custom, in this culture, it was understood that, that the younger son was actually wishing his father were dead right here, right now. The, dis, the level of disrespect was enormous, okay? So it's like, I, I wish you were dead. I, I want my money right now, and I want to go on. So the situation, that was the setting. The situation is significant. Setting was simple. The situation is significant. Uh, not long after he got all the you know crypto, whatever he got out of the deal, he set off for a distant country. Some translations call it a, a faraway land, okay? I'll use those two terms independently. Why, 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 why does he want to go far away? Why? Listen, he wants to do stuff that he doesn't want his godly family to see or to know about. When you and I are intent on doing things that we know are wrong, uh, we're, we're, we're going to try to get away as far away as we can. 
So what's he doing? What's the prodigal doing? He's, we'd say he's living large. Hey? He's living large. He's got cash. Left with a lot of money. Okay? He's got cash, and he's using that cash to live wild. He's on the wild side. So the scripture said right there. What's wild living? Wild living is riotous, it's reckless, it's immoral, and it's wasteful. You know, maybe if we were actually trying to, you know, wrench down on this, we might say, you know, hey, he's smoking dope. Imagine, I don't know, do they call that, that, did they say that today, smoking dope? When I was a kid, that's what we called it, smoking dope. You still do, but you're, you're, you're an old guy, so we don't know if that's in or if that's out, man. Do you say that? But imagine that. Smoking dope, you're admitting right up front that what you're doing is stupid. You're a dope, <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. He, he's smoking dope. He's drinking. He is, he is, he's carousing. He is trying to get anybody, everybody in bed with him, Okay. And then when he's blown everything in this wild living, verse 13 says he squandered all of the wealth. When, when you got money in your pocket, when you got, you got money in the bank, when you got cash, it makes you feel powerful, doesn't it? It makes you feel independent. It makes you feel like you're really on top of everything. You can act a little bit bigger, can't you? Oh, my. And so he's throwing it out everywhere and on everyone, and he is having the time of his life. Now, just let me ask you, was he having fun? Church? Come on, church. (laughs) Hey, listen, if you don't think he was having fun, you need to wake up. Because I want to tell you, sin can be a lot of fun. Hello? Hello? Sin can be a lot of fun. He was having a lot of fun. That is until he wasn't. (laughs) Because that's exactly how it works. Okay? (laughs) The scripture talks about the the pleasure of sin is fleeting. Is there a pleasure of sin? No, let's not get so, you know, upright and uptight that we would say, oh my goodness, you know, you're just not going to. Listen. That's why sin is sin. That's why it's so tempting. That's why, that's why people crave after these things because there is, there's a lot of explosive power in it. But you're going to pay everything you do. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You, you cannot change that. That's a universal spiritual law. You can do it, but... But I can promise you, not only based on what God's word which says was more important, but based on my own journey. I have been paying, quite literally, my entire life. Now, I say that carefully for some of the things that I sowed in my sinful life. Not because God was harming me or hurting me. He can't change what you actually did. He can forgive it. He can't change it. He's not going to change it. Listen, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine. Now imagine these, 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 uh, these realities colliding together. He's spent everything. There's a famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. 
Here the dude, here the high roller who's out, you know, putting out money for everything and everyone. He's got a woman on each arm and he is having the time of his life. Now it all comes together. And he finds himself in a, in a, in a country, in a place that, that is in famine and he's in need. And he's begging. I mean, this picture isn't far off based on what the text is saying, right? So, so, so he's at the place, he ain't, got no, he ain't got any money. He's got to find work. So he gets on his, his, uh, his PC, and he's, he's searching all the job, uh, all the uh, search engines. You know, he, he's, he's looking at everything. He's, he's looking at everything trying to find where he can get a job. And he's so desperate. You ever been so desperate that you did work that you felt like was way beneath you? <laughs> There's some hands going up. There's some people. <laughs> there was a time. I, I don't want to get off because I'm running out of time really fast. <laughs> I was a realtor at one time in my life. And uh, before I, I actually was quite blessed of the Lord and became quite successful. But at one time, I was so hurting and so poor that I actually asked the owner of the company if I could actually put the signs up in the yard. Because they paid a guy to do that. And I was, I, was, I was struggling so much financially. The guy said, you can't do that. You can't afford to do that. I said, I need the money. This guy is in a place that he is willing to do anything. And now, now the story actually takes a huge twist. And what's the twist? The irony of it is the only job opening that he can find is feeding pigs. Now, you, you, I trust that you all understand the Jewish customs here, right? So when G, Jesus is telling this story to a Jewish audience, and he gets to this place, they're all going, no! <laughs> like, they already, they're already hating on the guy to start with. But now you get to this, and he's going to stoop that low that he's going to actually feed pigs? This is how bad his life has become, right? So he hires himself out to a citizen who is a pig farmer, and he's feeding pigs. And, it, and, and, and then it gets even worse. He's longing. How, how do you get this bad? He is longing to, you know, and Jesus is just grinding this in, hey? I mean, these people that are listening to him, it's like, no! They're, they're, like, they're just like shocked. There's one thing to feed pigs, it's another thing to want to eat what they eat. That's how desperate you are, that's how bad this situation has got, right? So this, this is where the son is, right? This is, this is the situation, this is where he finds himself. And we focus on that, but there's a question, and this is where it turns for me. There's a question for me that's in the background, and it's begging. Anybody's... Anybody see what the question is? The focus is all here on the son. But there's a father in this story. There's a father in the story. And I think you and I have to stop when we come to the question of where, where, where is the father? 
Like right now, his, his son's in this disastrous situation. Where is the father? I want, I want, I want you to, I, I, you know, I mean, we can come back to this situation. This is a child who is gone, who is in a place of destitution. I mean, this is, this is homelessness kind of reality. He's, ta- he's, he's in the dumpster, so to speak. I mean, this is equivalent, right? This is very equivalent. Where's the father? Where's the mother? I, want, I, I don't want you moms to get excluded in this. Where's the parent here? Where's he at? Okay. He's at home. Yeah, he's at home. Those of you who are parents and grandparents, I want you to I want this to really set set in on you. Wow. I want you to I want you to see the father is in the hardest place on earth. There's more no more difficult place on earth than where the father's at. He's in the place of separation. There is nothing worse on earth. Do you know why it is in, in prison when, 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 they, when people are put into prison? They're obviously locked up. They're in confinement, they call it. But do you know what it, the worst torture that they can do to you? I mean, obviously, this is the worst torture on earth that we understand for regular people is you go to jail. You have your life taken away from you. You go to jail. You're in confinement. But the worst of the worst is what? Solitary confinement. No human contact. Total and complete separation. The worst thing that will ever happen to you in your life is to be separated from those you love. That's why divorce is so utterly and incredibly devastating. Because you are separated the love that you once had is gone, okay? C.S. Lewis actually looks at hell. He calls the book The Great Divorce. And in that, he actually, he actually pictures hell is the pain of absolute, utter separation. The thought that, oh, well, I'll be there with all my friends is not what's going to happen in any way whatsoever. It'll be the separation. The worst thing that could ever happen to any of us is total separation from the Father. Now, why does the separation exist? Why are they separated? They're separated, and the separation, it brings agony. It brings pain. It, it, it brings suffering. But what separated them? What separated them was was the, the the younger son's sin. His sins, his rebellion, separates him from the father. Now, but the thing that I'm I'm really wanting us to see here is why doesn't the father go after him? Now, if you put yourself in this position. And if you really stop to think about this, 
Many of us, if not most of us, would think the loving thing for the Father to do would be to go after him, go find him, go search him out, go seek him out, and go get him. Most loving thing to do. Most of us would say yes. That's not what the story says. And it actually reveals to us how off our natural thinking is from the thinking of the Father. In fact, some of us would think that he's not very caring and that he's not very loving. The reason why he doesn't go to a faraway land is because of love. But this isn't the mamby-pamby worldly love that you and I have become so accustomed to. This is a love that goes far, far deeper, far, far greater, a love that is willing to suffer. See, I don't know that you can actually know love fully aside from suffering. Suffering is a part of what true love actually is. And yet the world tells us that love is all about ooey-gooey, mushy-gushy, feeling very excited all the time, what have you. Love is not love, as the popular saying would go today, this circular reasoning that absolutely makes no sense whatsoever, this kind of love that everything has to be according to what I feel, according to what I say, how I think, and if you disagree with me in any fashion whatsoever, then you're a hater. Well, I want to tell you, that is straight out of the pit of hell. And it's as far from truth as it could possibly be and as far from God as it could possibly be. I'll tell you what love is. God is love. And it is his word that actually defines love. And the the definition of love that's found in the word does not parallel with what the world says in any way, shape, fashion, or form. And that's part of the reason why we have such a mixed up world. And it's part of the reason why today we have such a mixed up church. Because actually we as church people have been influenced by the world and we're actually doing what worldly people would do rather than what the scripture says and what God says and what he's actually modeled. I think that this story actually models a very important thing for family life. It's a hard thing. It's a difficult thing. It's a painful thing. There's agony in it. Again, I ask, where's the father? Well, the father is in his house. He is in his house, and what's in his house? In his house, things are right. In his house, things are true. In his house, things are pure. In his house, mercy, grace, and forgiveness abound, but they're in his house. The challenge is if the father... What happens if the father goes to a faraway land? What if he goes? What happens? What if he goes? Any thoughts? The house is empty. Okay? There's nothing at home, but what I want to suggest to you, if the parent goes to the child, and the child's in their life and their rebellion,
Did you hear that? Could you hear that back there? Okay. See, the challenge is what's happening today is that in the name of love, what we're doing is we're actually going to where they are and we're actually offering them support and encouragement and love where they're at and what they're doing. That's not love. And it's not going to help, is it? What's it going to do? Oh my goodness, it's going to make it much worse. Because we're not going to stay here, are we? No, we're going to keep moving, and you're going to have to keep coming. And we're going to end up doing all kinds of crazy things that's going to hurt everybody, isn't it? So the father is in the father's house. He stays at his house where, where the things are right because that's the only way that things can get rectified, okay? If the father goes to the son, things are no longer right. right. Wrong becomes what's right. Truth becomes lies. Holiness is compromised. Grace becomes a license for sexual immorality, If the father goes to the faraway land, the church becomes the world, and the world becomes the church. There's no no delineation anymore. Everything's the same. Light becomes darkness, and darkness becomes light. Truth becomes lies, and lies become truth. We are living today in a culture of lies. Absolute and complete lies. And the only place that you can really count on or should be able to count on, we hope that you could count on, actually being told the truth is the house of God. But the challenge is, when we actually don't follow the Father, we actually bring the world into the church and the thinking of the world into the church and the ways of the world into the church, and now the church and the world are the same. There's very little clarity if we do that. Now listen, the fourth part is that to love is to suffer at times. The Father waiting is suffering. If you've ever ever had to wait when you know that your child, no matter whatever age they are, some of you have had friends. Some of you young people have had friends that have gone to a faraway land, and it has broken your heart. It hurt really bad, and it hurts really bad that they're doing stuff that you know is destroying them. And it hurts really bad. You'd like to go and rescue them. You'd like to go and actually pick them up. You'd like to capture them to bring them to their mind, right mind. And yet that's not going to help. And the hardest place to be is in that place of waiting and praying and trusting. Because just like we sang that song tonight, about you are the same God as you were there, as you are now. And Pastor John made those comments about the fact that he may not be answering you like you want him to, when you want him to. And in that place, that's where the place where trust is built. Knowing that in his time, in his way, he will change what he's going to change. 
And I believe it were the prayers of the Father that actually came about why that son even came to his senses. Why did revelation light enter his head and his heart? Only one reason, really. I'd say it's prayer. Listen, the Father's house is, is representative of heaven, the faraway land, the world. The space between is a space of heartache, it's a space of heartbreak, it's a space of pain, and it's a space of waiting. And waiting takes tremendous discipline and godly maturity. To suffer is to save. We're going we're gonna to turn now. And this is going to amp up some. It might be more challenging because I, I want to think about what, what might prodigals look and sound like in today's world. Those who were in the house and who have gone to a faraway land by virtue of what they're thinking and by virtue of what they're doing. What might it look and sound like today? Okay, so all I want you to hear and see in relationship to that is, is that what that young man actually just got through saying was, is that he actually has gone to another land. He's gone to a land to where he has taken what the Bible says about what God's will and his way is, for marriage, and he's actually gone clear over here and determined that it isn't true. What I want you to notice is his parents, he just said, came with him. And so did his church. They didn't stay in the father's house. They didn't stay under the father's word, his will and his way. They compromised their conviction to be with their son who had become prodigal surrounding sexuality.
What did the prodigal, what was the prodigal essentially saying to his dad? I don't want to live like this anymore, okay? I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live under your teaching. I don't want to live under your truth. I don't want to live under your house. I don't want to live your way. I want to live different. I want to live how I want to live. I want to do what I want to do. I want to sin. That's what brings him over here. This person you just heard, you heard him say, Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't care whether you're trans. He doesn't care if you're bi. He doesn't care this. He doesn't care that. Those statements are revelation that he, manifesting as she, has gone to another land. Because it's not Jesus' land. And he, manifesting as she, says, no one can tell who I am but me. That's a lie. Because you don't tell you anything. (laughs) You actually receive what God says from his word about you if you're going to stay in his house where there is sanity, where there is, there, there is fullness, where there is wisdom, where there is everything. Okay? One last, one last prodigal I want you to hear. There's, there's more, and it's worth listening to, but for the point that I'm making as I'm winding down, I'm wanting you to see and hear how words are being twisted. Starts in, in a spiritual framework. I love the Lord, essentially, as Gal was saying and goes on to say, I read my Bible, I pray, but I'm also very active sexually, and that doesn't, that, there's no problem with that. She has, she's actually confessing the fact that she's become a prodigal. She's left the way of God. She's left the purposes of God. She's left the, the, the will of God. And she's li- living over here, but saying over here is over there. And it's not. And it's not. And so the deception leads to all kinds of distortion and confusion. Imagine where that ends. Where does that end? If I can be promiscuous, I can also be adulterous. What's the difference? Right? Imagine this house under that sort of mind frame and that sort of teaching that anything goes with anyone at any time, and God's okay. He licenses it under grace, like it'll all work. 
All of that leads to massive confusion and massive distortion and massive twist and corruption, and the church becomes like the world. There's no difference. Why would we even come here? I know what it is to live out there. Listen, I lived over here. I I wasn't a prodigal. I was just lost. I was living in darkness to the fullest. My life was empty. It was a shambles. I didn't want anything to do with my wife. I wanted something else. It was over there. Now, what would have happened if I came over there and it's the same as there? What would have happened? Oh, my goodness. I would have been totally disillusioned. I'm so grateful that I was called out and I was called to a place. And this is where we get the solution. There's only one way to come out of the faraway land, and that is repentance and godly remorse. And yet the the truth is, is that, you know, fools actually mock, the Bible says, at the idea of repentance. Like, that. you don't have to do that. Like, come on. This This is the picture that we see as we wind down. When he came to his senses, he said... How many of my father's hired servants have food to eat and spare? He just stopped and think about how his dad t- treats the people who work for him. Look how my dad treats them. And here I am starving. I'm a son, and here I am starving. I'm starving to death here. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, now here's the spirit right here. This, this is the spirit of repentance. I've sinned against heaven and against you. And then here's where remorse comes in. He says, really, I'm no longer worthy. Listen, until you get to that place where you realize you've blown it so bad, like everything that you had, that you've blown it so bad that you don't deserve anything whatsoever. Like, God, don't do anything special for me. Just let me come home. This is the heart. I don't need to be called your son anymore. Just make me like one of your hired hands because you treat your hired hands better than anybody treats their sons. That's who you are, God. That's what you do. So he got up and he went to his father, and this is maybe one of the most beautiful things in the Bible. You know, one of the beautiful pictures, but while he was still a long way off, while the son was a long way off, his father, who'd been waiting, his father, who'd been agonizing, his, any parent, any loving, caring parent, heartbroken, devastated, waiting, wondering, are they ever going to return? This father gets up and runs to his son, filled with compassion for him. Such a beauty. He ran to his son, and so there's no confusion. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then, of course, you know, you know what he says. Bring out the fatted calf. Now listen, if you want to, if you want to actually hear something really super cool, we're not going to see it tonight. Uh, Google Keith Green, or, or on YouTube, go on YouTube. YouTube, Keith Green, the prodigal. It's, it's like 12 or 13 minutes long. The music alone is, is exquisite. But he, he paints this picture. I have honestly wept listening to this song 
on a number of occasions. Absolutely wept. It's, it's so powerfully done, okay? So as, as we wind down here, I'm coming back to say to us, for the sake of the church today, the church, is, the, the church in general, not, I'm not saying your congregation, your fellowship, but in general, is getting so fused with the world and the world's thinking and has taken on so many of the philosophies of the world that light has become dark and dark has become light and lies have become truth and truth have become lies. And good people are now seen as bad people and bad people are seen as good people. Those who are actually trying to do something to actually help and stand. And so what that ought to do for all of us, I would hope that what our, our, our thoughts would be is that we'd want to run to the Father. Hey? What's, what's that? There's a song out, Run to the Father, isn't there? What's that? No, there, there is. It's, I it's, can't come up with it. What's that guy's name? Oh, my goodness, it's a good one. We ought to want to run to the Father. Some of us, where do you find yourself in the story? You could actually find yourself in more than one place. You could actually be sitting here right here, and you're here every week, and yet your heart is not here. Your heart is actually, your heart's here because you're here, but actually it's not with the Father. May the Holy Spirit give you revelation because he loves you so much and you're missing so much. Some of you could be the prodigal. Some of you are in the father's place right now. Some of you have children that, are, that have known the truth, have been risen, have raised in the truth and yet not walking in the truth and you're waiting and you're praying and, and, and you want to compromise at times and you want to actually try to find a way to get connected and, you know, loosen up, lighten up like they're saying. Just lighten up. What's the problem? Why can't you accept what I'm doing? Why can't you accept who I am? Because I love you too much. Because I love you too much. Some of you are at that place, and some of you are at hurting heart, devastated heart, broken hearts. Let's just pray into this tonight. Father, thank you that prodigals do come home. Thank you, Lord, that you give us a picture here in your word that is unlike any other God that we know of in the world. There is no God like you. There is no God whose eyes light up, whose passion comes out, whose heart beats out of his chest, who comes running. The gods of the world are vindictive. The gods of the world punish. Did this, did this young man deserve punishment? You bet he did. You bet he did. You think of anybody that you've loaned money to or given money to or given something to that mattered to you and they squandered it or they crushed it or they 
threw it away or they misused it or abused it. Just think of that for a minute. What that did in your own heart. Friend, if you're a prodigal here tonight, I'm not upset with you. (laughs) No one here is upset with you. And yet God longs for you to come back to him. Friends, we've got to hold on to the truth even when it hurts. We've got to hold on to the truth even when there's pain in it. We've got to hold on to the truth even when people are saying, my goodness, you're so archaic. What's wrong with you? You're such a radical. You're crazy. Why Why don't you get into the 21st century? All these shots. I'm praying for these dear brothers and sisters. Pray with me that you would stand strong. Ask the Spirit of God to help you stand strong. May you give them a, a, a resilience, Lord. May you, may, may you pour out fresh resilience, fresh fire, fresh strength from your Spirit to stand in your Word regardless of what those around us are saying and doing, making fun of. Lord, it it hurts to be made fun of. It hurts to be uh, shots taken at, mocked and ridiculed, and yet no one knows better than you, Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered abuse in every way. We're looking to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Lord, we're going to have to despise the shame. You and I are going to have to despise the shame because they're trying to make the Christian life a shameful thing. May you give us the grace to stand and the strength to stand, Lord. We praise and honor you and worship you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.